Hey friends, Andy Jenkins with the Warrior Hope Podcast, where what we do is connect veterans to their next mission. Now, we really think this is important. The most common obstacles that we see in this are, and we say this every single episode, isolation. So try to do it on your own and unresolved hurts. That's unprocessed pain from the past. We really think that it's important that you work through both of those because number one, you've got another mission, okay? And it's going to connect with your purpose. It's going to connect with other people. Some of those people that are depending upon you to live out that mission are, first of all, your family. Second, your friends. Others include fellow service members. These are all people who the language that we say is had your six, you had their six, you still have it, you still need them, they still need you to move forward. Now, in this episode of the Warrior Hope Podcast presented by Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture, I'm talking with my friend, Sabrina Fierce. Now, she is a U.S. Air Force uh, veteran. Uh, She's got a really great story about how she came from a military family of people who were in the army of of soldiers, but then made that transition and went to the Air Force. And then of course she talks about what was it like when you make the transition from the Air Force back to being a civilian. I think you're gonna pick up a lot of great tips and takeaways here today with my friend. I'm gonna roll right into it. This is Sabrina Fears. Okay, so I'm here with our friend Sabrina Fears. Uh, now, I always check the names to make sure that I pronounce them the right way. And she said, yeah, it's just like you're scared. So if, like when you read this, that's exactly it. Now, Sabrina, we met you uh, through some of the Warrior Hope events that we were doing, some of the training specifically. I, I remember I met you, I think it was right before COVID because we were training and we're about to release the Warrior Hope curriculum at the time. We're filming it. Um, that weekend here in Birmingham, Alabama, and we had people from all over that had come in, people from New York, people from, uh, I think there were some from Mississippi, from Florida, Atlanta, just just a bunch of Chicago area, and then we had people like you that were right from right down the road that were, that we had never met, that were really close, and you had been involved with Tech South, who was, of course, a, a friend and supporter of Crosswinds for quite some time with Staff Oderkirk. Um, talk to us about kind of the, the bridge there from getting involved with an employee at TechSouth that is a military contractor to in service veterans to getting involved, just showing up to get trained. Well, um, I started, I've been with TechSouth uh, for 19 years and um, I met staff you know, through TechSouth. I had been yeah. working with um, TechSouth right before staff um, started working with TechSouth. And um, when he became the vice president of the company, you know, um, I would come in early in the morning. Um, I have, I since I live so far, I would drive in at three or four o'clock in the morning just so I could beat the Birmingham traffic. So usually I'm always the first one in the building. And then he would come in. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so, and he would come in because he would go run, you know, with the owner of the company, with staff, 
I mean, with um, Steve sometime early in the morning and he would come on in around about four thirty, five o'clock. Yeah. And um, he noticed that I was always there and I would beat him because usually he's used to, you know, being up before dawn. Yeah. He's <laughs> beating everyone the there. Yes. So um, we started talking quite a bit and that became my routine. And uh, we would talk early in the morning. That's where we have our little chit chat and how's the family and, you know, just personal things, just see how everything's going. And then we talk about, you know, things in the company and, and stuff like that. So um, one day he just asked me if I wanted to be, uh, wanted to go to the, uh, the training for you guys. And I was like, yeah, that'd be, you know, be very interesting. So that's how I, you know, got into getting a chance to meet you guys. But I also was going to the, um, the it was the uh, Wario uh, concert, this concerts that you guys would have every year. Yeah, the Songs of and, Hope events. Yeah, the Songs yeah. of Hope. So that's that was my first interaction okay. um, with you guys. And I enjoyed it. But um, how I became a member, uh, employee with Tech South was, uh, that's a long story. I guess I had to go way back in order to get to there. I, um, right out of house high school, I went to, I started at Jacksonville State University. Okay. And um, so I have a, a sibling that's two years younger than me. So she graduated high school. She went to Talladega. So my dad was paying, trying to pay for both of us to go to school. And then my mom decided she wanted to go back to school. So now my dad's trying to pay for three people. Three, three students. <laughs> so um, at that time, I said, you know, me, you know, you being the oldest, you're always trying to do something that's going to try to help the family. Although, you know, you don't know what it's going to be. So I decided right. I can go in the military. I was working on the side with my uncle as a bell busman and bounty hunter as well. So I said, well, I guess wait, I can do wait, the military you were, too. You were a bell <laughs> hunter? So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have, you know, if I had a lineup at, at any of these, you know, events that we've had and you said, pick out the one that's the bounty hunter, I would have not have picked out, <laughs> I would have not picked you out of the lot. I'm always surprised. I get that a by, lot. By who is... I, <laughs> I get that a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's it. Yeah, it's it's always surprising. Like you know, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. <laughs> I get that reaction every time, so I'm I'm used to it. I should make sure I heard you right. So you you were a bail hunter <laughs> and a bail bondsman, and then you're going to go to the military. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I um I said, well, I guess I can go in the military. You know, and that's in when I was discussing these things with my uncle, because our family is a military family. Okay. So, but, you know, my grandfather, my uncles, my dad, and they were all saying, okay, yeah, they were all army though. And my um, dad said, well, if you go in, I'd rather you go into the air force instead of the army. I was like, okay, I can do that. What what was his logic for that? So the the military thing wasn't elite because, you know, that, that would have been kind of a normal family decision, but right. Why well, Air Force? 
Well, they have, there is this um, persona that the Air Force is not as harsh as the Army. But okay. I find that, I, I find to differ. Uh, <laughs> and so I, um, it was during a time right after um, uh, Saudi Arabia and all of the attacks and 911. I mean, the, everything was, I mean, not, not, well, everything was going on with, uh, um, with the war and everything. So, um, at that time when I passed the ASVAB, they said, well, you scored high enough where you can be a medical tech, but it's a two year wait. And I was like, I don't have two years to wait. I, I need to go now because I need to get this burden off my dad. Um, so he's like, well, the only thing we have open is maintenance and um, security police. I was like, okay, that's a no-brainer. So security police, I can do You're that. A bounty hunter. Yeah. Bounty, sure. bounty hunter. I could not a problem. I could do that. I can handle that. So um they went ahead and signed me up. I, I I told my uncles first. I didn't tell my dad. My mom didn't know any of this was going on. So mom didn't know baby was about to leave. <laughs> oh, you're running this whole play on the side. Okay. Yeah. So um when I, I uh, went ahead and signed up and I had my date to depart, um, I wind up telling my dad, I was like, hey, I'm going in the military on this day. He's like, okay, so our, our, I thought they said it was a wait on the medical field. I said, well, I, it's a, I don't want to wait. I want to go ahead and go. So he had a hard time taking that in that I was going to be security police because he didn't want me to do that. Yeah. But, you know, at the time I was ready to go, um, you know, at, at that age, you, you think you're grown anyway. So right. you're ready to and leave mom and dad's house. Isn't it weird? Yeah. Like when you're 18, 19, 20, 21, you, you think like, oh, I'm running out of time. Like I got to do. And then you get to like yeah. your 40s, close to 50 and you think, <laughs> God, well, why was I in such a rush? Like, right. Exactly. Got all the time exactly. The yeah. It, <laughs> it's odd. So. I was like, okay, so I, I went ahead and um, I went to um, to the MEPS down in Montgomery, came back, got my my original, uh, my date that I was going to be departing, and I let everybody know. We had a, a, a going away party for me and everything, dinner for, you know, friends and family, and the day that I was leaving, um, my brother had to be rushed to the emergency room because he was having an appendicitis attack and it was an emergency surgery. So mom didn't even get a chance to see me off. Dad did, but my, my mom. And um, so that was um, that was uh, making me a little bit nervous because I was leaving when my brother was having a, a issue and it was emergency surgery for him. Yeah. So I'm going to basic and, and everything. So the night comes, you sleep, you get up next morning, flying out, get to Texas. And the first thing you hear is fears. What are you scared of? <laughs> so I hear that. Yeah. I heard that quite a bit doing basic. And they probably all think it's an original joke, but yeah. Yeah. But um, I, getting through that and everything, um, going through the training, 
it was a uh, it was interesting. It wasn't any harder than the things that I had already been going through from having to look for people who um, were skipping on their bonds. So you know, it, it was it was pretty interesting. So my first duty station um, was at uh, um, Barksdale Air Force Base. And um, at the time there was, a, it was the only base that they was pretty much uh, sending security police to besides my not, why not my not? But um, they were sending us to Barksdale because they was having the, they was doing the reconstruction of the fencing system for the um, uh, restricted area for, for the ordinance area. And so that's so what, where I was what location, what location were you at? Like Shreveport. Put, put us on the map, okay. Um, if you're on I-20, it's like um, 30 minutes from the Texas border okay. line um, and not too far from Texarkana. So you're not that far from Arkansas. So you're right on the Texas border, Arkansas border in, in Louisiana. Okay. So it, it's not that far. It's straight down swing. You're about, um, I guess, about two, two and a half, three hours from Vicksburg. I, I, and been, two, two and a half hours from that. Many times through there. <laughs> so, um, after I did my my years, my four years at um, Barksdale, then I came back home and I was working. I started working for this company in Anston um, called Communication Associates, where I met this guy um, named Greg. And um, he uh, he was the network support guy there. So at the time, um, I worked there for about six years. About six years and then they started sending a lot of things over to Mexico so but before um so he started he stopped working there and went to Texas because um they were uh, stopping uh, they were minim uh, minimizing their network support system um, uh, side of the building so he decided to go and he started working at Texas well I was still at communication associates and they started sending me over to Mexico to start training everybody. And my last trip over there, I come back and then they tell me, hey, well, um, you've trained everybody over there. We're moving all the quality department to Mexico. So we're going to lay you off. You so boom, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I trained train myself out of a job. That's, that's below the bill. That's <laughs> I trained myself out of a job. So I um temporarily I was looking for another job. So I I started working at this telecommunication company. And um I worked there for six months. I hated that job. <laughs> I worked the night shift, and you do not know how many crazy people are in the state of Alabama or in this world. They will call all times of the night just asking crazy questions or you, you would be amazed. Some of the things people will do and call 411 and say or do while they're on the phone talking to an operator. You'd be surprised. I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, I, I used to work helping people off drugs, off the streets, out of prison, human trafficking. Like, I don't think 
you know, addiction, I don't think y'all would be surprised. Yeah. So some of the conversations, they, they, some people, some of them would just call just because they're lonely and they just wanted to talk. Hey, what's up? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then some would call just for, you know, uh, mm, how can I say it? Um, they just needed someone to listen to them while they're doing things in the background. <laughs> if you get my drip. And I was like, it's sick people, very sick people. <laughs> so I worked there for about six months. And one day Greg called me and he's like, hey, um, I'd heard that you let your, you're now with um, the other company. Where I said, no, he said, um, you're looking for another job. I said, yes, I am. Definitely am. Yeah. He said, um, you mind driving to Gardendale? I said, no, I don't mind driving to Gardendale. He said, well, we have a position open as a QA manager here. Um, and we, we are opening up, we have another project, product and project that we need a quality um, person for. I was like, sure, I'll come and interview for it. So I did. Um, and um, so he he uh, he didn't interview me, but another person interviewed me. So they hired me. And um, before I got there, and I had known Greg for six years, and Greg was um, a Marine, prior Marine. And so he got to know not just me as a person as working, but my personality as well. And um, so in Tech Tech South, I work with mostly men on the end where I am with most of the developers is mostly men. And um, he had told them all these different things like she's this, she's mean, she's she'll tell you off, you know. So I didn't know this. Now I do have a, a personality that a lot of people wouldn't expect because you got the bounty when, hunter side, but that's like <laughs> you're probably like Jekyll and Hyde. When you got to pull it out, you pull it out. You put it when out. I pull it out, when I have to, I do. But when yeah, you know, there's no necessary for it to come out. So I try to, you know, I like I allow people to see this side of me. I I always I call that um, that other personality Contilia. That's my middle name. You never want to see Contilia. <laughs> that's, that's funny. So she, she, Contilia was built while I was in the military. Um, because before I went to the military, I was very calm, quiet, um, didn't talk very much. But military um, formed a different um, personality. Okay, tell me about that. Like, what did it form... I mean, obviously, it brought out some things that, um, that that could be. I don't want to say the word dangerous. I mean, it could be if you if you bring out the wrong skill set at the wrong time. But um, if, if it awakened something new, what what did it what did it bring out of you as a as a young adult that could could serve you well later on? Um, it it made me a lot more aggressive. Um, I, I can say I, I, my temper, I have a temper now and I try to control it a lot more. Um, I'm, I, it made me, I have any patience at all. I would snap at the slight of anything. 
Um, my sleeping pattern changed a lot. Um, sometimes, you know, I can, I can be in a dead sleep and I can hear, you know, the smallest thing in another room and then I'll wake straight up. Okay. Is um, just being on alert all the time. Um, walk into, if you're in, in a restaurant and I go to a restaurant with someone um, and we're sitting down for lunch or something, I don't like to sit with my back to the door. That's just something we, they taught us. You always face the door to make sure you're always alert. Yeah. Um, so, you know, always being on alert, high alert, all with it at all times. It 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 changed my personality a lot because you're always on edge. Got it. Yeah, that uh, it, it seems like I hear that a, a a lot. You know, like that's and and I guess I would say you know if somebody that's watching or listening right now um, senses that feels that that's that's how would you say it? I mean, that's that's a that's a normal response to what you've been through like, like so they, they would know they're not alone like this is um i, I think sometimes you, you know we interview and talk with some people that are uh, military personnel or past military they're veterans and they feel uh, like maybe something's wrong with them or um something's not quite right and you know kind of want to simultaneously just say hey okay i get i get it see that but also join the crowd in the sense that hey like you're you're not you're, you're not off you're not weird you're not does that make sense yeah like, it's hard to have good language for that um so it, it, it does change you yeah it, it changed they when they say they when the military say they um they build their soldiers. They literally do. They break you down to build you to be what they need you to be. And if you're not strong-minded, it could break you. Um, it it could break you, literally break you. Um, yeah. um, they're even doing basic, you know, um, I we had a female that was you know, slicing her wrist because she couldn't handle it anymore. It's just basic training. Um, and even in my, my MOS, you know, they were the divorce and suicide rate is so high because you're constantly away from your family and um, you either you're on TDY or you're always working long hours. Um, I always tell people, Yes, it's the Air Force, but in the Air Force, you have the regular Air Force and then you have security, security, police and maintenance. We were on our we were our own field pretty much because we worked totally different hours than everybody else in the you know, Air Force. Everyone else had, you know, nine to five. Right. You know, our typical work day would be a 12, 13 hour shift. And that's coming from, you know, getting getting up, going to guard uh, uh, guard mount and having to be deployed out. So if you're out in security, there's no telling how far you're going to be deployed out from, you know, regular base. And then um, you're out there all day. And 
you you may see somebody you may not throughout the day and then um, by the time you come home you you the bus pick you back up to take you back in at 13 hours getting back to the um to the guard to the guard mount area and you know turning in your weapon of duty and um then getting home laying down you really don't have time to do anything but you know security police we did i think that's where i started drinking the most because that's all i i we had to do was work and and drink and party so yeah no time for anything else really no because we were always on call you know you if you you know if you're not on leave you have to be prepared to deploy out at any time so you never know um that's even if it's something to have to deploy overseas it may you, you may have to de- deploy right there in town like for instance um one year one of the b52s was coming in for a touchdown and the engines fell off and um you know the state of louisiana is pretty much swamp you have a lot of swamp areas yeah so the engines fell off in the swamp <laughs> so where the engines fell off that's where we had to post and you're out there in the middle of nowhere in so, a swamp yeah in a swamp yeah. um protecting that that property so you know it is is it's different. It's it's totally different. Uh, security police and LE and maintenance. We were we were different from um, from the regular regular Air Force. It wasn't like the regular Air Force. It was a totally different job. Yeah, I guess on some of that, you you ended up going where the need was, and, and you might even know what that's going to be. So it, it would be really hard to have kind of a nailed down job description. Certain things you'd be able to describe. Certain things you'd just be like, "Hey, we just have to figure it out when we get there." I mean, there's there's no way you can plan to be guarding something uh, inside of an inner city, and then know that the next week you might be in a swamp. That's yeah, you know, that it was two totally different, two totally different things. Um, Talk to me about some of the things that were were struggles that you from military you brought back with you. You know, like you know, you you when you when you get out, uh, one of the things that you know you hear over <laughs> and over is that the U.S. military does an incredible job of building a a, a soldier, building what they need, a warrior, but doesn't do such a great job of helping them come back and make the transition back to civilian life, back to home. And so Um, that struggle back, like that's, that seems to be kind of a very real common repeated part of everyone's story. I mean, I I would say that the the people I've talked to, the people who don't have some kind of challenge coming back home, that would be, those are the exceptions. I mean, with the military, it's structured. You have structure. Everything is structured. And um, civilian world, there's no structure. Yeah, it's just- chaos. I hated civilians when I got out. I hated people. I hated civilians. It took me years to get past that. Um, working in the that, that my regular job, 
Oh, I hated them because they so had what's no some, structure. Like, what's something that you would hate that some some something somebody would do or say or mindset or whatever that would just like, you, you know, you know, just how you know the, the how things were kept neat and how we have procedures. You knew every day what your procedure was, what you had to do. Um, um, the people that you, you know, that would be over you in the military, you know, you knew how they were all times. You knew what to expect. Um, in the civilian world, you never knew. You never knew what you were going to get at all. Right. Um, you, you never knew what they were, their mindset was going to be. You never knew what kind of personality they were going to have that day. You never knew um, what they wanted you to do, how they were going to talk, you know, and then sometimes you would be expecting in the military to, for them, they would, they talk to you a certain way, but it's a type of respect, you know, that they, they give you as they're talking to you. In the civilian world, there's no respect. Um, they have that mindset of, um, it's me or nothing, right? You know, um, there's no respect at all. Um, so when they talk to you, the way that they talk to you, it make you snap because yeah. that's not what you're used to. And, right. um, so you have to learn how to control your temper and, um, your attitude. Um, it, it's a learning progress. You have to, you're you're having to learn once because at first you don't really realize what's what's going on until someone else tells you. You know, and um, it's up to you to decide if you're going to try to control it. Or if you're going to try to do to try to figure out what's going on and um, try to deprogram yourself. And it's hard. I mean, there's there's times even now that uh, I know that my the, re the things that I think in my personality and the, the way I respond to people or um has a lot to do with how I was trained because it's just certain, certain things would just get on my nerves, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, they, it would be like, why are you so uptight about that? I'm like, I don't know. You know, and I go back and I think I was like, why am I? <laughs> yeah. Why does this bother me so much? So yeah, it, it sticks with you. I, I once you are a soldier, you're always a soldier. It it never changes. You may um learn how to tame it down, but that soldier mentality never goes away. I, I think that's helpful for people to hear that, you know, from you so so they know, you know, obviously people struggle with that. Veterans do struggle with that. And so to hear somebody say, hey, look, that that mentality is probably not going to go away, you know, but you can learn 
to adapt, you know, and learn to see things from a different perspective. It's okay to question, why do I see it like this? You know, it's okay to process through that and, and realize, okay, this is uh, a great response when I'm uh, outside the wire. This is not a great response when I'm at the Home Depot. <laughs> you know, this is, so it, it's, <laughs> But but having the ability to actually go, hey, it's okay to question this stuff. It's okay to walk through this stuff. Um, t- tell me, like, what what's advice like you would give to somebody? Because uh, I've got about five minutes left that would make that's that's making that transition um, from soldier to civilian. W- w- now, whether they they're coming out now or it was 15, 20 years ago. And there's just now wondering like, yeah, yeah, I need to make some adjustments. Like what, what's the advice you would give somebody no matter where they're at on the timeline, just as far as. I wish somebody would have told me about meditating and journaling that has helped me the most, but I didn't pick that up until about 10 years ago. And that has helped me tremendously because, um, when I'm having those emotions, those, the uncontrollable urges, I go and I write and I journal and I I write a lot. I even write to myself. I write to the people that have, I think that have damaged me. I go and I just write. I don't send it to them, but I write it. Then I read it. Then I go burn it. But it's like, it's a relief. But just journaling and meditating and and staying in the present of of the things that I'm thankful for. And every day I just make it my mind that I'm going to say thank you when I get out the bed, because there's so many things that I could have ways I could have went down the road that I've, you know, I've come. So I'm thankful for everything. So I, I try to keep that thankful mindset, but just meditating, listen to meditation music like I do now. I, I constantly listen to meditation music, some type of meditation music through YouTube and I'm constantly journaling and writing. I have notebooks everywhere. I keep one with me at all times. So if I may be in a car or I might be at work or I might be at the doctor's office and something may happen, I write about it. I just write and how I feel, how it made me feel, why I feel that way, what I thought I I perceived about it, what I thought I saw, how that person was acting and, and I just, and how I wanted to respond. And I, I just write everything down. I just journal. I just write. I just write. Well, um, doctor, that's great advice. Doctors say that writing something, I mean, brain doctors, it's a completely different neurological process than just thinking about it. Like when you write it, like you're, you're, you're processing what you're writing right then you're processing at the same time, what you just wrote, you're processing what's about to come. Like somehow it, it actually helps your mind work through stuff in a way different manner than simply thinking about it like it's mm-hmm. like there's something to it like I, there's you know you're getting your full self that's great advice um and so to be clear like you're writing not to publish or writing not to send it out to everybody or not writing to overshare mm-hmm. it on social media like you're writing for you to for help me. yourself yeah, yeah. and so me. yeah um, i think that's 
that's helpful for people to realize too, is like, you're not, you don't have to write this and worry about it being perfect. Cause you're not going to send it out to the world. Like you're writing it mm-hmm. this is, you know, unfiltered for you to process through good, bad, ugly, great, you know, all of that. Um, yeah. That's super advice. Anything else that you want to say? Um, all I, I can say is just, just continue to stay thankful. I know it's hard sometimes with with the thoughts that come through your mind, but be thankful regardless because it could be so much worse because you are still here and be thankful that you can still talk to your family and, you know, and you can help other veterans and talk to them and help them through what you're going through because a lot of people just don't know. They don't have anybody to talk to. I mean, sometimes you just don't want to talk to anybody. You just want to, you want to get it out and you don't know how, but just write, just write until you can't write no more. Just keep writing, just write, just write. It's like, I always look at it as, as far as it's gone, just run till you can't run no more. So I write till I can't write no more. That's funny. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to end with that. I think that's great advice for people is to process it, to write it out, to think through it. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for uh, your service in the past, which you continue to do today to connect with other people and help them move forward. Um, I've, I've enjoyed You're welcome. this talk. I think you've helped a lot of people. Oh, well, thank you. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Now, as always, I want to bring you my top three takeaways of the day. Okay, so here it is. Looking back, number one is it changes you. So when you go into the military, you go into service, whether you're deployed, uh, whether you are serving stateside, any time, whether whether you see combat, regardless of what's going on, it is a life-changing experience and it changes you. Uh, there are multiple times where we'll hear the same thing over and over throughout some of the documentaries. Now we've shot three documentaries, uh, Crosswinds has, and we'll hear something like, you don't deploy and then come back the same. It is an event that happens at a very pivotal time when you're transitioning really, really from those teen years into adulthood. It's a transitional period anyway. It is a major experience. Uh, it is high intensity, high alert. It changes you and that's okay, it's to be expected. And so I hope that you pick that up from her. Here's takeaway number two, is it's okay to adapt afterwards. It's okay to look back and question, hey, why am I now acting with this behavior pattern? Why now do I have these mindsets? Why now do I, because the things that served you well during deployment may or may not always serve you well after deployment. So certainly the skill sets that you picked up, the the camaraderie, the ability to just work intensively on something and seeing it to conclusion, the uh, scheduling and the structure and the leadership, all of those skills that you've acquired do serve you well. But sometimes the way that we carry out some of those soft skills may not serve us well in all situations. It's okay to question that. And it's okay to just continue to adapt to an ever-changing situation. I appreciated how Sabrina said that. Here's the third takeaway is she talked at the end, I hope you picked this up, about journaling and about meditation. In fact, when we first 
schedule on the Zoom call to record this, she asked me, she said, hey, can, can you hear the music I've got in the background? She was, had music playing the entire time. I, I, I couldn't hear it. Uh, I don't think you, you could hear it. I haven't picked it up. But she said, yeah, it's, it's just my meditation music. Here's what she has done is grabbed hold of some tools that serve her well. And what I would say to you is if the journaling would help you, I would try it out. If you've never tried it, I would try it for sure but you need to get some tools that are going to help you let's let's face it life is beautiful life is also difficult it's hard and so uh, it already carries enough chaos of its own and you add some of the wounds some of the hurts some of just the hard difficult experiences that as a veteran that you might be carrying right now uh, you deserve to grab hold of some tools to help you move forward faster uh, with just a little bit more ease and a little bit less friction, okay? That's it, again, I'm Andy Jenkins. I'm about to sign off. Before I do, let me remind you as we do every single week that what we do here on the Warrior Hope Podcast is we connect veterans to their next mission. The most common obstacles that we see in that quest are these two, isolation, so trying to do it alone and unresolved hurts, unprocessed pain from the past, your next mission, it matters because you have a purpose. You were designed by God to fulfill, and there are people that are going to be affected by you living out that mission. Those people, they include your family, your friends, fellow warriors, fellow service members. These are people who all, as we say right here, you had their six, they had yours, they still need you. You still need them to connect to the next mission. Wherever you're listening from, I would love it if you would leave us a comment. Let us know some of your top takeaways from today. Subscribe from whatever platform you're on. As always, there are links down in the show notes where you can connect with Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture. I'm Andy Jenkins signing off. I will see you again in the next episode.